This morning, we are starting a new sermon series on the book of Proverbs. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, you can turn to the very beginning of the book of Proverbs. If you don't have a Bible with you, this, the passage that we're focusing in on this morning is printed for you in the worship guide. So the book of Proverbs and our theme for this series, the um, idea that we're trying to get at is ancient wisdom for modern life. It's going to be a nine-week series um, on this book of Proverbs. And just to give you a little bit of context for the book of Proverbs, along with the books, Old Testament books, Job, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Proverbs is considered to be one of the wisdom books of the Old Testament. Now, wisdom literature in the Bible is concerned with helping us to navigate life well. So it's incredibly practical, intensely practical. What the wisdom literature, and we're focusing in on Proverbs, obviously, so especially Proverbs, what it is concerned with most is helping us to know how to live well in the moment-to-moment daily uh, stuff of life. It's focused on ordinary life. Now, this should be refreshing to us because I think that sometimes what happens to us as people of faith is that we think in terms of our spiritual life, and then we have our ordinary life. And we, we think that those are two very different things, and so we compartmentalize. But what the wisdom literature does is that it brings those two worlds together. It casts a vision for us that there is no hard-line division between the spiritual life and the ordinary life. They are meant to be one and the same. Now, we'll be talking more about that as we go through this series. The goal of Proverbs is to help us to flourish in the everyday stuff of life. We could say this, that its purpose is to help us increase our street smarts. It really is the purpose of Proverbs. I, I think we could uh, just put it succinctly like that. Proverbs wants to help increase our street smarts. As I said, this is going to be a nine-week series. So over the next nine weeks, the book of Proverbs is going to be our tour guide, our tour guide of life. We're going to um, see how Proverbs points out for us what is real and true about the the world of people, places, and things. And we're going to walk through some of the primary themes of Proverbs. So we're approaching Proverbs. I think it's the best way um, to approach uh, a book like this. We're going to be approaching it topically. And so we're going to walk through, as I said, some primary themes. It's a very practical book. It covers just about every aspect of life, every area of life that you could imagine or you could think of. Proverbs most likely speaks to it. Here's some of the particular topics or themes that we are going to cover. This morning, we're going to cover wisdom. Next week, we're going to look at folly. And then from there, temptation, justice, money, speech, work, relationships, and plans. Now, we have proverbs in English. Let me just give you two examples that you probably are familiar with. Have you ever heard this one? You can lead a horse to water but you can't, what? Make him drink. It's a proverb, an English proverb. Another one, many hands make light work. You got it. You've mastered uh, English proverbs. These are wise sayings. They're typically brief 
sayings um, that communicate something in a few brief words. However, you have to do the work of drawing out their, their meaning, right? They're short, but sometimes we could read a proverb, we could stare at it for minutes and still not exactly know what it's saying. And so while they are short, they're not necessarily simplistic. We have to wrestle with them. And this is the life of wisdom. We'll we'll be talking more about this idea. Um, But this is the life of wisdom. We have to wrestle. We have to give time, energy, thought into being wise people. Now, real quick, last thing I want to say before I read uh, Proverbs 1, 1 through 7 for us is that for example, the, the two English proverbs that, I, that we just talked about, um, they represent folk wisdom. They're, they're these, these sayings, these ideas, um, this wisdom that we all generally know to be true. Biblical wisdom shares similar characteristics, but it's, it's something else, or maybe the better way of putting it is that it's rooted in something deeper or higher. You see, God speaks to us as a sage in the book of Proverbs. God is the wise one. God is the one who has made the heavens and the earth. God is the master of life. So in the book of Proverbs, God wants to invite us into a tutorial. God wants to mentor us about what is true and real about life. And the source of this wisdom is God himself. And we're going to see that even in this passage. So let me read it for us. Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's take a moment and pray for God's help as we begin this series. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would draw us into your word, that you would particularly draw us into the book of Proverbs over these nine weeks that are upcoming. Speak to us. uh, Change us. Form us. Make us more like Christ, we pray. We pray that you would make us wiser for our own good, for the good of the world, but most of all, for the glory of Jesus. We pray in his name, amen. Have you ever had, I know that you have, one of those experiences or moments where You've completed a project or an assignment, and you've, you've, used, you, you, you've exerted all of who you are into it. It's been a full-bodied uh, project. You, you've had to apply your knowledge. You've had to use your hands. You, you, your heart has been in it, and you've just given yourself to this project, and you reach that point where it's finally complete. It's done, and you step back, and you're just in awe. Hopefully, you're in awe, right? Sometimes you're not. Sometimes you step back and you say, uh-oh, guess I have to redo that. But we're not talking about those times. That, that's a sermon for another time. We're talking about those times in which you step back and you realize, wow, it really came together. 
few years ago, uh, I completed a such project. Uh, I uh, installed a wood panel wall in the bedroom, uh, in the wall of our bedroom behind our bed. Um, and I'd gotten a little bit of experience with this, actually, when we were renovating the third place. Uh, one of my brothers-in-law was leading that project, and I would help him, assist him, and I learned some uh, things along the way. So I decided that I was going to attempt to install this wood, uh, this wall on my own. And so it, it took me quite a while. It took me weeks uh, with long breaks in between. Um, but I had a vision for what this could look like. And so I had to apply uh, knowledge. I had to obviously use my hands, and I'll talk more about this um, a little bit later. But I'll never forget at the end of that project, because it, it was also a uh, whitewashed wall. So the very last step was that I whitewashed it. And at that point, it went from just being cedar wood. I stepped back, and I was in awe. I was proud. Everything came together. It was the way that it was supposed to be. I know that you've had these kinds of experiences in life. Well, I think this is a helpful analogy for us when we come to this idea of wisdom. God desires for us to be wise. And when we live wisely, when we lean into wisdom, when we really embody God's wisdom, the effect is meant to be that we step back or maybe others step back and say, wow, I'm in awe. That's the way it's supposed to be. Everything coming together. This is the idea of the book of Proverbs. The wisdom literature of which Proverbs is a part, is a gift to us as God's people. It's a gift, but we don't always receive it as a gift because we're, I think, a little bit skeptical of wisdom literature at times. And that's okay. I'm sure that some of you are approaching this book and you have some knowledge of Proverbs, you've read stuff here and there, and maybe you're a little bit nervous, like, I never know exactly what to do with this book. I never know exactly how to make sense of it. I feel like I read some of these individual verses or proverbs, and uh, still to this day, I'm trying to figure out what they mean. That's, that, that's okay. That's normal. Hopefully, throughout the course of this sermon, um, more light is shed on the proverbs for you so that you do better understand them. And this is less about understanding specific verses or proverbs and more about understanding the purpose of wisdom literature as a whole. Um, wisdom literature is different from law. All right, we're going to talk more about this under the first point. Um, but law, we prefer law, I think. We prefer uh, instruction. We, pr we prefer to be told what to do. I know not always, but when we're contrasting with wisdom, I think that this is true because wisdom has to be applied in so many of the gray areas of life. Um, should I take this job or not? Should I marry this person or not? Um, how should I respond in this very particular situation with these specific circumstances? Because if the this one set of circumstances was a little bit different, my response should probably be different. So there's all of the, the, the situational kind of stuff in play when it comes to Proverbs. And what we're going to learn is that God's priority in all of this is to shape us into a certain kind of person. God wants to make us more wise. That, that's the goal of the wisdom literature, the goal of Proverbs, because 
If we become wiser people, guess what wiser people do? Wiser things. Sometimes we focus on the things. Okay, what are the wise things I'm supposed to do? But the Bible's coming at it differently. The Bible wants to focus on us as people, shaping us and forming us into wise people who then, as a result, do wiser things. So this morning, as we focus in on Proverbs 1, 1 through 7, which really represents the introduction to the book of Proverbs as a whole, if not the book as a whole, at least the first section of Proverbs. And I, I want to look at the purpose of wisdom and the path of wisdom, all right? The purpose of wisdom and the path of wisdom. Look at where Proverbs begins. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. So right off the bat, it names, it lists some specific things. Um, we're going to actually, in later sermons, uh, tackle some, some of these. But it names these specific things. This is the prologue, the introduction to the book. This is where it all begins. The purpose is very simple. It's very practical to instill wisdom in the reader. That's it. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. That uh, big picture is the purpose of Proverbs. We could say it this way, that the purpose is to make us wiser. And all of the wisdom that we're going to come across um, in Proverbs, as I've already mentioned, is intensely and incredibly practical. It's for all people. And we need to do a little bit of uh, background work, some bigger picture theology. So I want to take you back. We often do this. I want to take you back to the very beginning of the Bible. Literally the very beginning, the first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the beginning of the biblical story. God is creator. God made people, places, and things. God made the stuff that we see. What that means is that because God is creator, God knows how it's meant to work best. He knows its purpose, its, its design. He knows how it's all meant to function. And so wisdom literature is rooted in creation. Another way of saying it is that wisdom literature, the Proverbs, is rooted in creation. It's rooted in God's design, his intent for the world. This is why we get mixed up sometimes, because we come across passages in Proverbs such as, train up a child in the way he should go, and he will never uh, part from it. And you hear that and you say, um, I know firsthand that this is turning out differently in my own immediate circles. Or I know somebody who has um, done a fantastic job of instructing their child in biblical wisdom over the years, and they have run away or strayed. This is where it's helpful to remember that wisdom in the Bible is rooted in creation. It's rooted in God's intent for life. So in other words, it sometimes makes general statements. Using that one as a specific example, in general, if you do this, the result in general will be this. But Proverbs recognizes that it doesn't always work that way. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that has been ruined and wounded and damaged by sin in every area of life. 
And so what was meant for, for example, the first humans in the Garden of Eden, that would have been a, a statement that would have been more universally true. But now, because of the entrance of sin into the world, it wreaks havoc. It messes with things. It messes with God's design. But the book of Proverbs is calling us repeatedly, time and time again, back to God's original design, his intent, so that we might walk in it and flourish. We need to have a definition of wisdom, right? Um, it, It would be maybe confusing for all of us if we went much further without defining the word wisdom. We have a slide for this. Um, But before I define wisdom, I want to define law. Now, if you've been um, sitting in on Mike Tolliver's class on generosity and stewardship, uh, you've heard these definitions in that class. Uh, The second definition, uh, uh, or the definition of wisdom, is one that both myself and Mike get from a seminary professor that we had. And then the definition of law is one that Mike has come up with in order to parallel the definition of wisdom. The definition of law that we're working with is instruction in the design of godly living. So that's what I was just talking about, God's creational intent. Um, All of the instruction, all of the laws, all of the commands that we come across in Scripture, we could approach or view as God's design for the world, God's design for people. Wisdom is different. Wisdom is skill in the art of godly living. Now, this should be encouraging to you, because if we were just left with law, I mean, we're already confused enough, but we would be even more confused as people, because we get into certain situations where we have to apply, we have to discern. All right, let's go back to my wood panel wall project. Um, So I had had learned, the reason that I, I took on this project is because over at the third place, we did such a wall. But it was different. Um, actually, I did such a wall with my brother-in-law kind of supervising, and it was just simply horizontal, horizontal panels across. But I wanted to do something fancier, more sophisticated at home. So I wanted to run the planks diagonal. So I began to get ready to start the project, and I was thinking to myself, I've done this before, I know what to do. And then I went to make the first cut and realized, I don't even know how to make the first cut in the corner. So guess what I had to do? Hey, Stefan, um, I'm going to try to explain this to you. I need you to explain to me over the phone how to make this cut. I can't tell you how many times that happened over the course of the project. Uh, Every time that he saw that it was me calling, he's like, what now? Um, But there were all of these very specific situations. So I, I finally got the corner, after probably five tries, got the corner piece cut right and started to make progress. I was gaining momentum. And then guess what happened? I got down to an outlet and realized how do I cut around the outlet? How do I do this? Uh, This is a a specific situation. Um, So I had to call him. And then when I got down to the baseboard, oh, wait, what am I going to do here? There were numerous examples of this, and this happens in life. We have God's law. It's okay. You don't need to put it back up. We have God's law, his instruction. And so maybe we run with it. All right. God's designed for godly living. But then we, we get into specific situations of life, and we realize, oh, wait, I haven't quite encountered this one yet, so I'm going to have to apply uh, knowledge. I'm going to have to apply discernment. So this is kind of the difference between law and wisdom. And it's a skill, as that definition states. It's a skill that we can develop over time, that we can get better at. 
But it, godly living is also an art, all right? It's an art, and it takes flexibility. Uh, it, it takes, and this is why I said at the beginning that Proverbs is concerned with the kind of people that we're becoming. Because if we are focused on, all right, what's the wise thing to do in every single situation, we're going to just get overwhelmed. But here's what happens, and this has been true in my own life, particularly in pastoral ministry. Because in pastoral ministry, let me tell you that I have encountered far more than seminary told me about. All right? If seminary would have told me everything I was going to encounter, maybe I wouldn't have become a pastor. I don't know. I don't want to even think about it. Um, But I have encountered far more than seminary told me about or prepared me for. But here's what I've learned. You you figure it out over time. You, You focus on the kind of person you are becoming. And then when you get into specific situations... You draw from knowledge, and you're able to tweak. You're able to be flexible, and, and, and sometimes you get it wrong, and there's grace and forgiveness for that. But you see, you, you're getting the dynamics that I'm talking about, this relationship between law and wisdom. What we're after here, what the book of Proverbs is after is, how do faith in God and life in the world come together? How do these two realities come together? Sometimes we conclude that they don't, they can't, and so we don't try. But what's interesting is that when you read through the wisdom literature in the Bible, it's hard to determine, wait, what is the spiritual world and what is the ordinary world? What is spiritual life and what is ordinary? The wisdom literature does not make those kinds of distinctions. It's one in the same. Spiritual life is living in ordinary life in a way that walks, uh, that is congruent with how God has made us to live, his design. So they're not two different things. And I hope that this is refreshing for you. So that when you go to work tomorrow morning and you're faced with whatever situation might be, when you're driving to work and you're caught in traffic and you aren't necessarily thinking that this is a spiritual life moment It is. It's both an ordinary life moment and a spiritual life moment. It's about God's presence in all of life, which we'll talk more about um, in a few minutes when we conclude. But wisdom takes skill. Wisdom is skill in the art of godly living. Verse uh, 3, after verse 2, to receive instruction in wise dealing. You see how it immediately gets practical. Wise dealing, and all of a sudden it's bringing others into it. Here's how to be, or it's concerned with how to be just, how to be equitable, how to be righteous toward other people. You see, Proverbs can't help but to get practical. It can't help but to get into the nitty-gritty immediately because that's what wisdom literature is. Wisdom literature wants to help us walk in God's ways uh, among the real people, places, and things around us. And so it gets practical right off the bat. And this highlights something for us. Wisdom is not simply information. This is huge. Wisdom is not just information. Wisdom is not just knowledge. Think about it this way, and we'll talk in the area of theology. I personally know lots of people who know theology really, really well. but they're a mess, they're a wreck as people. 
And you know people in your own lives who know something about a lot of stuff. Maybe they know a lot about a lot of stuff, but they're, they don't know how to relate to people. They don't know how to practically live. They're always making a mess of the people, places, and things around them because why? They're not wise. You see, wisdom is the bringing together of knowledge with living. Um, Mike Cosper, who uh, wrote a book, I'm forgetting the title of it, um, something about an enchanted world with God. That's not the title, but that's the idea. Um, he says this, and I think it's helpful for what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the difference between knowing, a category we might use to describe abstracted knowledge, like the kind that leads to success on tests and money on jeopardy, and know-how, a kind of knowing that's more integrated with life, or better put, more integrated with the body. It is a lived-in knowing and an experienced knowing. It's the kind of knowing where you know stuff about life, but when you get into the ordinary moments of life, you're able to apply. So it's more than just IQ. Go back to my, my project, my wood-paneled project. Or to, to put it in these terms, there are other projects that I would like to do that I even have knowledge of how to do them, but without training, without the development of skill, there's no way I, I, I could do them. Those are two different things, knowing and the know-how um, in, in terms of integrating it with life. This is what Proverbs has in mind. This is embodied living. It's um, using your head and your hands, th these kinds of things. As we talk about the purpose of Proverbs, um, let's go on. Verse 4, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. The one who understands obtain guidance. Proverbs, or wisdom, is, we could say, restorational. That word's not in my notes. I have no idea why I just used that word, but we're going to go with it. Proverb, wisdom is restorational. In other words, what that means is that through wisdom, God wants to restore us to proper functioning, who we were made to be in the very beginning as human beings, relating to him, to the people, places, and things around us. God wants to restore us. And so as we learn um, to be wise, as we walk in wisdom, God is putting us back together. This is why I, I, I can, that's why I started with the analogy or illustration that I did. The end of that process, stepping back and looking at the wall and just feeling that fulfillment. Almost like at least as far as this project goes, this is what I was made for. This is what the wood was made for. This is what the paint was made for, to all come together to look like this. That's God's purpose in wisdom to restore us, to shape us, to form us into who we were always meant to be in the first place. One of the reflection quotes comes from a philosopher named Cornelius Plantinga. It's the first in the worship guide. And he says this, Wisdom in Scripture is, broadly speaking, the knowledge of God's world and the knack of fitting oneself into it. That's, that's great. That's tremendous. The knack of understanding God's world and figuring out how you fit into it, how it all works, and then walking in step with that. That's the purpose. That's what we were made for. And to use different language, 
It's true human flourishing. When God created in the very beginning, his intention was for it to all flourish. That's the word shalom, where everything is operating and functioning the way that it was meant to in perfect harmony. That's God's original design. That's his intent. And of course, as we already talked about, there's been disruption because of the entrance of rebellion and sin into the world. But God wants to restore us to proper working order. He wants to restore us to what we were originally made for. Barry Schwartz is a psychologist who several years ago gave an uh, insightful TED talk about the loss of wisdom in our culture. And in this talk, he makes a passionate plea for practical wisdom, in his own words, as an antidote to a society that has gone mad with what he says is bureaucracy. He argues that rules often fail us, incentives often backfire, and practical everyday wisdom will help rebuild our world. And then he says this, wisdom isn't just something we ought to have. It's something that we need to have in order to flourish. Wise practitioners are like jazz musicians, able to improvise when the situation demands it. Now, let me speak to your heart for a moment. Deep down inside, you want this. You crave this. You yearn for this. Of course, you wouldn't necessarily use these words that you want to be a wise practitioner like a jazz musician, able to improvise when the situation demands it. You wouldn't most likely use those words, but that is what you want. You want to do life in such a way that you feel like everything is clicking. It's flourishing. I'm walking in step with what I was made for. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Is that, is that a proverb? I don't know. I'm terrible. I always joke, I'm awful. That's an idiom, right? I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about right now. I'm terrible with these. I probably misquoted it. Um, and now I don't know what I'm talking about uh, to begin with. But um, I really lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? Help me out. I didn't hear you. <laughs> Say it again. I need, this is embarrassing. Don't. Well, I know that, but what was I saying before that? All right, I'm going to be awkward. I'm going to look through my notes until you can help me out. Oh, I want to talk to your, yeah, the, the TED Talk and coming back to that. Jeez, this whole series is ruined. We want to be the kind of people who get into certain situations and we're able to improvise. We're, ab- we're able to draw from our knowledge, our experience, and know what to do. And again, we, we, we fail along the way. That, that, that's a given. We're not perfect, and we live in a world that is fallen. But deep down inside, we want to be wise, don't we? We want to be wise. We want to do wise things. We want to see a world full of wisdom. It's what we want. It's what we, the reason you want it is because it's what you were made for. All right? It's what you were made for. And that's why in those brief instances of life where you feel like, I just implemented wisdom. I was just, it feels so good because you were made for it. That's the purpose of Proverbs. To take us back to God's original design. To equip us in, to know, equip us in knowing how to actually live life in the everyday stuff of life. And it's why, once again, Wisdom literature is more concerned with the kind of people that we're becoming. Because if we are increasingly becoming people of virtue, 
people whose character is more Christ-like. Like I said, we're going to become people who do wiser things. Let's, in closing, talk about the path of wisdom. So the purpose of wisdom is flourishing. What about the path of wisdom? Verse 5, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. The greatest virtue, now this may surprise you, but the greatest virtue I believe in the book of Proverbs is this, teachability. In fact, the the whole book of Proverbs, for the most part, is framed around a conversation with with a, a father and a son. The father instructing the son in how to live life. And and through that, God is speaking to us as a sage. He's speaking to us as the great wise one. But the greatest virtue in this book is teachability, a willingness to grow in wisdom. And then look at verse 7, and we'll make a connection here. The understanding of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is a summary statement of the book of Proverbs, if you're wondering. If you want to be able to put it succinctly, the first part of verse 7 does it for us. This is where the quest begins. We've talked about the purpose of wisdom. Now we're talking about the path. And the path, the quest begins here with the fear of the Lord. Now, that statement terrifies some of you. The reason I say that, or it makes you feel uncomfortable, because some of you fear God inappropriately. You fear God inappropriately. You um, have placed your faith in Jesus You have believed um, that Jesus bore the wrath of God for you on the cross, that Jesus is your redemption, and yet you still fear God in an unhealthy way. You still fear his judgment, even though Scripture says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so I want to be sensitive here. And then for others of you who are maybe coming right now from outside of the, the Christian faith, and you say to yourself, well, yeah, this is the God of Christianity, Um, fear, fear, fear. This is what it's all about. But we have to uh, define this word fear appropriately within its context here in the book of Proverbs. Fear, as it's used here, is not about being scared of God. It's talking about this being our starting point. In other words, God is our starting point. As we begin on this path of wisdom, this quest for wisdom, God is our starting point. He's our reference point. From him, we build and we go from there. Um, Words that we could use that might help us here, awe, wonder, humility, reverence, even trembling respect. But it's not the kind of trembling um, because you are, again, afraid of God's wrath. It's the kind of trembling that you are in the presence of something so spectacularly good that you're overwhelmed. And you recognize that God is other. When it comes to this this goodness of God, you can't hang with him. That's what the fear of the Lord is talking about. The fear of the Lord is the beginning 
of wisdom, and it drives us right away into humility and dependence or teachability. Here's what's at play here. If you really want to be wise, if you want to not be a fool, and we'll talk about different categories of people next week when we discuss folly, but if you want to be wise, you have to begin with this. I am not wise. I don't know how to do life. I feel so overwhelmed by so many different situations that come into my life. I'm not sure how to navigate them. You see, that's humility. And from there, you recognize that I need a teacher. I need a teacher. I need a mentor. I need a tutor. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The wise person begins with, I am not wise, but God, the one who made all things, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who has created people, places, and things, the one who is the master of life, he knows, he has the wisdom that I need. Teach me, God. Teach me. Equip me, mentor me, tutor me. This is the fear of the Lord. It's the recognition that the help you need is not found within, but from outside. And God desires to come alongside of you. He desires to make you wise. He desires to teach you. And you don't do this in order to earn his favor. This is so critical. You don't set out to become a wise person so that you can earn God's favor more and more. You seek to be a wise person because you already have God's favor. He's become your friend through faith in Jesus. And now he wants to shape you into who you were always meant to be. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We're talking about transcendence here. That God is transcendent. He is outside of us. He's the creator. He's the master of life. He knows wisdom inside and out. And practically what this means for living is that we can live with a God-saturated um, view of the world. We can live with an approach that we believe that God is present with us at all times, moment by moment. God is in relationship with us. He desires to teach us, to mentor us at all times throughout the course of the day. The psalmist in Psalm 1, I meditate on your law day and night. God's designed for living, and now we want to pray, God, help me to implement, help me to live it out. God is present with you. He is for you. He wants to tutor you, mentor you in all places of life throughout the day, whether you're in your car in a traffic jam whether you're sitting at your work uh, desk not knowing what to do next, whether you're sitting on the toilet, whether you're um, in relationship with other people in, in, in conversation, wherever it might be. The, the toilet comment was intentional, not just to get a reaction, but seriously. We divide up life between the spiritual and the ordinary. The, the, the wisdom literature makes us uncomfortable. God is present and with us all the time. And this is why decisions, this is why our behavior, it all matters. We could say it this way, that um, 
Our character shapes what we do, but what we do also shapes our character. See if I can say that again. Our character, who we are, shapes what we do. So we have to focus on, like we've been talking about, the person we, kind of person we are becoming. But the things that we do also plays back into this. And you, you, you know this from your life. You, you could name all kinds of examples, experiences, when you um, went down a certain road, when you gave in to certain temptations, and you found that you were becoming a certain kind of person and it scared you. These two things play into one another. Our character shapes our conduct, but our conduct also shapes our character. But God is here. As one theologian said, um, God is here and he is not silent. He has spoken and he has spoken to us like a sage. He wants to help us in the everyday stuff of life to navigate the real world of people, places, and things. He wants to over time restore our sanity so we're less overwhelmed by the various situations that come up in life. But in closing, it comes back to where the path begins. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is the beginning of the path, but it's also the path every step of the way. And so this quest for wisdom makes us vulnerable. Because throughout the process, throughout the journey, we have to keep recognizing that we don't have wisdom within ourselves, that we have to look to the one who made everything. And so it's about dependence, relationship with him, moment-to-moment living. It's not just simply dividing up the spiritual and the ordinary of, all right, Sunday mornings I go to worship, and then when I leave the building, it's back to ordinary life, and I'm not sure how God fits into that. No, it's a living moment-by-moment relationship with the God who is always present who through his Holy Spirit that he has given to us wants to teach us, mentor us, and instruct us in true living. This is what you want. You can try to argue with me, but this deep down inside is what you want. It's what you were made for. A mind fully awake. Your very person full of goodness, beauty, and truth. A sense of God's blessing and favor with you as you you walk through every step of life. This is attractive, isn't it? Is not what I'm putting forth attractive? This is what God invites us to. It's a process. and It's not always going to feel like what I just said. But over time, God can do this. He wants to do it because God, here's why God speaks like a sage. God could have just given us the law in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. He could have given us the law and the prophets. He could have given us just the gospels or in addition to the law and the prophets. But he also gave us wisdom literature. It was intentional. God speaks like a sage because he loves us. He loves us. He loves us in the moment-to-moment ordinariness of life. And he wants us to to learn how to see his presence. He wants us to learn to depend on him in all of those moments. And so that that hard line that we create between the spiritual life and the ordinary life would become erased. And that we would see it as all one and the same. Walking with God. Refreshed in his love. Experiencing what we were made for more and more as we become wise people who do wise 
things. Let's pray. Father, thank you for speaking to us as a sage. Thank you for giving us wisdom literature to remind us that there is hope, that there is instruction, there is a pathway for all of those specific situations and moments of life where we're not exactly sure where to go, we're not sure what decision to make. We pray that over the course of this series that you would shape us and form us into wiser people, people who are more Christ-like, who do wiser things. Bless us, we pray. Teach us things that we didn't know. And I pray that it would all be practical, that we would not just accumulate or gain knowledge, but that we would gain the know-how to actually live life in relationship with you in the everyday stuff of life. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.